Good morning, everyone. We got the huggers over here that are all still hugging over. It's just not enough time between worship to now to hug. How are we doing this morning? Good. Now, first off, I need to address a rumor that I heard being spread in the lobby. Mark was telling people that you had to wear a turquoise shirt to sit in the front row. And I, I told Adam so he could sit up here with everyone else. Mark, we're going to talk about this later. Anyway, my name is Jacob Dolezal. I am one of your deacons, and I also run the kids' ministry here at Pierce Point. Now, Nate is not here, if you could not tell. Thanks, Mark. You know, I got a whole script here that I'm going down. Anyway, uh, if you could not tell with all the missing little girl memorabilia from the front row. But don't worry, they'll be back next week. And, but the rest of the month, he's getting the month off from preaching. So you get me today, Dylan next week, Barney the week after that, and then Curtis Coy the week after Barney. Yeah, I, that's worthy of that. All three of those guys are amazing teachers. And today you get me. But don't worry, mine will be the shortest among the, all four of them. Mark's buttering me up so I don't get him bad too bad later. As we were coming up for time for preparing, either most of the time Nathan will give us like a scripture that he wants us to talk about or we'll be continuing on a series. But this month it was like a free-for-all, so you got to pick your own topic. So I started thinking about things that I'm passionate about, and the things that I came to were family and stories. And now given how Nathan had talked about ended the sermon last week, and how our devotion series is about new birth, and we had a potluck last week, I thought, well, let's talk about the importance of the family of God and what that looks like. And speaking of devos, to this morning, Ethan did a phenomenal job, so you should go back and watch it, and it also set me up perfectly for what I'm doing today. So, but before we get started, uh, so we got this awesome title side by uh, Miss Brittany Black, Family Matters. But we actually have an alternate art that we wanted to show you before we get. Yeah. <laughs> it just worked too well. So we're going to start by talking about family. That's a very straightforward one. Uh, let me tell you a bit about mine. Most of you know this because I talk about this every time that I come up here. Uh, I'm the oldest of five kids, four brothers, one sister, and our parents raised us in the church, and they tried to instill several beliefs into us, one being that, you know, your friend, your siblings are going to be your longest-term friends, so you should get along with them. And, and along those lines, it was, who else in the end is going to have your back but the people that you've known the longest? Now, you parents here with multiple children know how that went. Yep. We would fight and bicker and get on each other's nerves. Well, really, just like the first four of us, those three boys and a girl. Uh, my youngest brother, Josh, who is actually here today, is like super chill. He doesn't fight with anyone. He has no emotion. Last week, my, we were talking about, like, which, we were ranking the emotional state of each one of the five of us, 
And uh, my mom jokingly said that the first four of us took all the emotions from her and my dad, and there was nothing left for Josh. Because <laughs> he, he is unshakable. Hey, Josh. Anyway, um, so it took time, but now I'd say we are an extremely tight-knit group of siblings. We love each other deeply, and nothing will change that. Now, do we still get on each other's nerves? Yes, quite frequently and often. There's always something going on. <laughs> but that bond will not be broken over trivial things. Now, not all of my siblings are actively serving God. One of them even says that he doesn't really believe in God. But does that change my love for him? Does that sever the bond that we've spent a lifetime building? No, it doesn't. It actually makes me love him more. I know what his life has been so far, the things that he fights and the struggles, but that won't change me loving him because he is my brother. So I asked myself, do we, the church, love one another like that? We're called to be the family of God. We are all his adopted sons and daughters. Ephesians 2, 19 says, So then there are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together and dwelling of God in the Spirit. We are of God's household, yet do we act like we are a part of it? Jesus says in John 13, 34 through 35, I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do people know us by our love for one another? Thanks, boss. No, I wouldn't say that's our defining quality to the world today. We need a reality check real quick if we want to have an impact on the world like we're called to. We know that this world has a convoluted view of what love is, but can we demonstrate God, the ultimate love God shows if the world sees us giving up and fighting with one another for one reason or another? So what steps can we take to be a better example of the loving family that we're called to be? Let's start by looking at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Therefore I, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul gives us a great starting point here. He urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we have been called, which is what? As a calling, we are called to be sons and daughters of God. We're supposed to be the light to the world. What does that start with having based on this verse? Humility. We must be willing to humble ourselves. Can we agree that pride gets in the way of unity? Yeah. Romans 12, 16 tells us, 
Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So Mark Williams made all of the deacons and the deacons in trainings read this book about humility. And I never have thought of myself as a prideful person. But man, that was a very humbling book to read. Uh, I have this really bad habit of not asking for help. Sometimes I'll wait until I'm at the point of drowning before I have to admit that I can't do something that I said I could. Uh, And that's not very healthy. But why do we need to be humble when we're talking about this family of God? If we're humble, then we will admit that we were in need and we're We won't be loaded down by the jealousy that we have for one another. Next, Paul brings up gentleness. Now, what does gentleness have to do with relationally in the the family of God? Now, you don't really, do you really want someone who lacks gentleness to handle delicate situations? Think of, uh, as I was reading this, I thought of, of mice and men with Lenny. Lenny could have all the great qualities of a person and then he's handed this delicate little life in the rabbit and he can't help it he doesn't have gentleness it just breaks the rabbit's neck now a lack of gentleness can do more harm like in the case of the rabbit just from how something is said proverbs 15 1 says a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger We need to be more conscious of how we talk to each other. Patience is next. I don't need to tell you that we all need to work on that. We all know that deep down. Patience or long-suffering is truly bearing with each other, regardless of how they're behaving, how they're acting. Let's go back to Proverbs and see what we can find there. In 1429, one who is slow to anger and has great understanding, but... One who is quick-tempered exalts foolishness. If you'd like a patience check, I can schedule you for the preschool classroom in the back. (laughs) They are adorable. Yet, I feel minutes of my life just like being spended as I'm sitting in there. So we we can check, and the humble check too. So all three of these elements, humility, gentleness, patience, are key in keeping this unity among believers and this bond of peace that Paul mentions. We've talked about unity so many times in here. But we must be united together. Unity is vital for us as believers. And we see it talked about so many times in Scripture, in the epistles. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree there be no divisions among you, but that you may be complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. And then in Philippians 2.2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And we see it spoken in the Old Testament. Let's look at Psalms 133 verse 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity. We must recognize just how important this is for us as believers. The world is big and corrupt and can swallow us whole if we are divided among ourselves. 
Nathan always talks about this Lone Ranger Christianity of trying to live life on your own. But because I'm a nerd, I like thinking of it more like a wolf pack and like lone wolf. You know, wolves stick together in packs because it allows them to hunt larger prey, gives them a better chance to survive than alone. Relate this back to our Christianity. As a group of believers, united, we can encourage, strengthen each other as we face trials, tribulations, things that are thrown our way that by ourselves we would just drown. So we talked about humility, gentleness, patience, as you're having patience with me as I'm trying to remember what I just talked about, (laughs) unity. Next, let's talk about forgiveness. This is something that we definitely all need to be better at. Too many times we see someone get upset with someone else at church, and they leave, or they try to resolve it, and then they can't move on after that, and then they leave anyway. Is this really a good example of what a family you want to be a part of looks like? For a wonder example of forgiveness, let's look at Joseph. When I think of all the awful circumstances that Joseph went through, which all stemmed from the jealousy of his brothers, it makes me sick. He was beaten, sold into slavery, accused of a crime he did not commit, spent years in prison, all based on this jealousy. He goes through all of this, and then his brothers unknowingly come and ask him for his help during their time of famine. They just assumed at this point that Joseph was dead, that he had died long ago. Joseph puts them through a sort of test and to see if they've changed their nature, and afterwards this happens. Genesis 45, verses 1 through 7. Then Joseph could not control himself in front of everyone standing before him, and he shouted, Have everyone leave me. So there was no one with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Then he wept so loudly the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold to Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me ahead of you to save lives. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which neither will be plowing nor harvesting. So God sent me ahead of you to ensure that you ensure you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive by great deliverance. Now, this, does this sound like a man who has held a grudge against his family this whole time? He's weeping to be able to see his brothers again, asking about his father. Would any of us blame Joseph to hold a grudge, even just a little bit? Not really. I've seen brothers and sisters stop talking and speaking for way less than being sold into slavery. <laughs> I think of and the other thing that really stands out to me about this story is the amount of time that goes on. There is a massive time difference from when Joseph is sold into slavery to when he finally gets to reconcile with his brothers. Now, most of the time, as we get older, we start holding more grudges. We start becoming more bitter. But Joseph still shows this level of compassion and forgiveness that is just amazing and gives us 
great hope that we can do this. <coughs> Forgiveness, mercy, grace. All this stuff should be second nature to us as Christians. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. We forgive because we were forgiven. Last week, Nathan Sher reminded us of Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5. This is what we're talking about in our leadership group on Tuesday night. We're going through Ephesians. But God, rich, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ by the grace you have been saved. We were shown a kind of mercy that is hard for us to imagine. He loved us while we were still enemies of God. But I absolutely love this idea when you apply it to our own lives. Most of the time, we think that the moment that we'll accept someone that has done wrongdoing to us is when they come and admit that they were wrong. But that's not what God demonstrates for us. God loved before, while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemy. What an amazing example. This gives us a clearer vision of when Jesus is talking and he tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We are called to look more and more like God in our walk. And what better way than loving the people that hate us? So I'm going to change directions and tell you a story. So long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> not really. Um, so when I was fresh out of high school, I had this opportunity to meet with Nathan and be discipled, or as autocorrect changes to disciplined by Nathan <laughs> on a weekly basis. And eventually that's what got me coming to Pierce Point. Uh, one of the first Sundays that I was here, I remember they were announcing a new elder to the team of leaders. And he read 1 Timothy, verses three, th 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7, which says, It is a trustworthy statement that any man aspires to the office of overseer or elder. It is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, skillful in teaching, not indulging in wine, not a bully, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, he will take care of the church. How will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not be conceited and fallen to condemnation, incurred by the devil, and that he be of good reputation those, with those outside the church, so that he will not be, fall into disgrace and the snare of the devil. And then he announced that it would be Mark Williams. <laughs> now, Mark knows where I'm going with this. So, so at the time, Mark, I had known of Mark for a while. He and Emmy, Barney and Tina, Nate and Sarah, myself, we all came from, Adam and Brittany too, we all came from the same church. And what I knew of Mark was that he was a rough biker guy that never seemed to smile anytime he came down to the youth group. Now, I went to youth group with his daughter, and one of my friends was trying to date her, so we'll give Mark the benefit on the doubt why he wasn't <laughs> smiling when he came downstairs. I knew little pieces of his life, how he'd been saved in prison, turned his life around, and I knew that he didn't have the best relationship with his older children. 
So at my weekly meeting with Nathan, uh, I had brought up how I, how I didn't know if Mark necessarily lined up with all those things. Because, you know, I know so much as a 19-year-old guy. <laughs> and we talked through each of the descriptions of the elder and how March, Mark had matched up with the description. And it was great. I was very satisfied with that. And I thought that was the end of it. But it was not. The, following, the next Sunday, Mark comes up to me and asks, hey, can we meet up and talk at some point this week? Now, nowadays, it'd be pretty normal for any of you to come in and see me and Mark cutting it up in the back or in here. Most of the time, it's me making fun of him, but that's, that's really what happens. But at this point, this is not a normal Sunday interaction for me and Mark. It's normally like, oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, so I'm super anxious about this meeting. I'm thinking like, wow, you're so dumb. Why would you ever ask those questions? Uh, I'm just a stupid kid. Oh, my gosh, I should have just kept my mouth shut. And then we met up here at the church. And Mark shows up, and he's got this folder, and it's got like 20 pages in it. And he opens it and looks at me and goes, so Nate told me that you had a couple questions about how I fit into the qualifications of an elder. And I, I just died inside. I'm mortified, embarrassed thinking, man, this guy wrote a 20-page paper to tell me why he should be an elder. <laughs> I need to just apologize and save him the time. But as you know, with communicating with Mark, he just continues without giving you a chance to do it. He's like, so I decided to write you a letter to tell you my story. But instead of just giving it to you, I'd like to read it to you. I was shocked. I just kind of nodded and was like, yeah, sure. And then for the next hour and a half to two hours, we sat, we sat, oh, no, this is good, this is good. <laughs> for the next hour and a half to two hours, we sat in the auditorium, and Mark shared his life story with me. He told me about his lowest moments in his life, and then told me about the greatest joys that he had. He talked me through his 12 steps of recovery, what he had done to fulfill each one, and how they co corresponded back to the walk of Christianity. It was an emotional meeting. I was humbled and amazed by the man that sat before me. I left that day with a respect for Mark like none other. I'm honored to be able to serve alongside you, Mark. I love you, and I trust you with everything I got. I'll still make fun of you. That's how you know that. <laughs> My point in telling you that story is, relationally, I didn't know Mark. I made a judgment about the person that I thought I knew. And it wasn't until he shared his story that I, could, that I could appreciate the journey that he had walked so far. The power in sharing the story of our lives is letting others in to the inner workings of ourselves. It makes us vulnerable to each other, but also, also allows a way for us to know how to support each other at a deeper level. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks to give you account of the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. The account for the hope that is in you, what's this referring to? Ah, your testimony. The things that God has done in your life, the thing that he has helped you walk away from, past tense, and are walking away from, present tense. Guys, each and every one of you 
have a story to tell. You just have to be willing and open enough to share it. It can be very scary. You know, right now, the, our whole Devo series, this new birth, one of the requirements that Mark gave was that each of the deacons and deacons in training share part of their story with the church. This is not only to relate to the new birth, but also to let you guys know, like, where we come from. We're the people who are leading. You need to at least know us somewhat. I said at the beginning that stories are something that I'm very passionate about. And I'm not kidding. I love consuming any type of storytelling. And I hope to be a great storyteller someday. TV, movies, books, fantasy, mystery, thriller, action, rom-com. And I'm an anime junkie. Any way to get a good story in, I'm in. But you know what the most fascinating and captivating stories to me are? The ones of real people with real life struggles and how God changed them. What you may not recognize is that God has done an amazing work in you. He has and is changing you. We talk about, this pro- we talk about sanctification quite a bit around here. This process of becoming more set apart, becoming more like Jesus. And guys, this isn't an easy process. Things get ugly when you're changing from an enemy of God to one of his children. I say this because if you feel like your story is too messy or ah, I'm not just not where I want to be yet, well, I guess you'll just have to keep putting it off until the process is completed. But wait, when is that? Upon our death. Now what you may be thinking is, this is cool, Jacob. What does this have to do with being with the family of God that you've spent the rest of your time talking about? Well, that's a great question, the metaphorical person asking that. How else are you going to know your fellow family members other than talking and sharing with them? You know, we can all just say that we're a part of this church because we show up here every Sunday. But do you actually know the, the other members that are a part of it? Do you know the members of the family? He's my brother, not just because we come from the same parents, but because I know him. I know his likes, his dislikes. I know what life we've lived. He knows about mine. That's what makes us brothers. We need to be more open with each other. We need to be willing. You know, we have a potluck last week. We're all sitting around. And so every potluck, I will sit with the Huffines. And they are so much fun because they're really easy laughs. And it makes me feel better because they're, they're, they're laughing a lot. But we just sit and we tell stories around the table. Uh, they know me. I know them. But that's how we got to this point, by being willing to be open and tell stories. One more thing that I want to cover before we start to wrap it up. I want to talk about encouragement. As family members, we need to be actually encouraging to one another. Now, I'm not talking about compliments, but encouragement. Definition of a compliment is a polite expression or praise of, or admiration. Example, Mark, your shirt looks very nice today. For a backhanded compliment, I'd say, Mark, you dressed yourself pretty well today, unlike normal. (laughs) God bless Amy. Emmy. So for a definition of encouragement, it is an action of giving someone support, confidence, hope. Example, can I tell you two of the people that are some of the best encouragers that go here? It would be Barney and Tina Estes. They do a phenomenal job because not only are they lifting you up with how you're doing, they're telling you that you are not alone. 
So thank you for that, Barney. Thank you for providing an example for us. Barney got a clap mark, didn't. That's how it should be. Let's look at, uh, <laughs> let's look at uh, some scripture about encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are also doing. Context-wise, the authors have been talking about being prepared for the return of Christ. And let's look at Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. Not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some people. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day nearing. I love 23 here. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. It's, man, it's very moving. To turn and look to other believers and help pick them up is not only, is something that we have to be doing. When, you know, when you're running a race, we're a team here. It's a, scripture talks about we're all running the same race. When you see a teammate fall, you're not just going to stand over and be like, Good luck. And then keep going. Uh, I work at a hydraulic shop. We sell hoses, fittings, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I got this older gentleman that works there. He's been there for like 35 years. And his biggest pet peeve is people trying to, uh, it's really car people that come in that are trying to buy stuff in a hydraulic shop that really, they're, they're, they have no business being there. Anyway, at the end of every interaction with a car person, he goes, ha, good luck. It doesn't end things in a positive way. Uh, but, like, that's not what we're doing here. We're a family. We need to stop, pick each other up, support one another. Uh, Ethan, if you want to go ahead and grab the kids now, I'm going to start wrapping up. He's in the lobby. Okay. Anna, if you want to go uh, get the kids, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, so this leads me to how I want to wrap up. The reason that I wanted to talk about this whole thing, the family of God, this journey towards God, this walk of sanctification, as I said earlier, is incredibly hard. We cannot do it alone. We can't continually try to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and carry on our merry way. We will grow tired and weary. Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not become discouraged in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we, are not, if we do not become weary, which means that even if we are doing good, it is still possible to grow weary. Why would that be? Because we live in a world that is opposite of us. As we try to fight towards the light that God has called us to, we're constantly being pulled back into darkness by the world. So what now? We can be discouraged and worn down. Great, Jacob. Thanks. That's a great way to wrap up. Well, let's continue in Galatians and go to verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. We do good to all men because we're trying to replicate Jesus to the world. We do right by each other because we know that we can grow weary from fighting the constant tide that pulls us back. 
We are gentle and patient with one another because we value the bonds that we have forged. We are not proud or prideful because it would disrupt the unity that we've strived for. We forgive one another because we were forgiven before. We share our lives with each other because what other way can we come to know one another and support each other? We encourage one another because we do not want to see anyone fall or succumb. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we were... While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen eternal. The trials that we face every day feel more, feel more than a momentary light affliction. But man, does, as we go through this process, we're building towards something amazing. Something that glorifies God and makes me very excited. As I said in the beginning, what my parents had said, told us, that I'll ask now, who else is going to stand by you in the end than your brothers and sisters in Christ? Who else knows the struggle that we face every day? And as Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We strengthen and encourage and grow with one another. More and more we face tragedy of the corruption of the sin and of our world. And I, can th I could think of no better topic to discuss than how we could be a better support system and love one another. God wanted us to be his body for a reason, his bride. Not a bunch of lone wolves struggling, but a pack striving together.